Hello, welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we're talking about chapter two, the idea of North. How are you this week? I am fine. I'm really tired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been kind of preparing for a convention to sell my wares and um, I've just got loads of stuff to do. And then also I panicked that I wouldn't have enough money so I took on some work elsewhere so I have even less time to do stuff. There's so no time. Fun. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm super tired. Work is really busy but I'm happy to be doing this. This is lots of fun. So yeah. Um, and we're recording this like quite far in advance. So we're sat in my flat and there's lots of Halloween decorations yeah. up. And um, yeah, so when this actually comes out, it'll be after Halloween and that'll be gone. And I'll be sad because I love Halloween. And it'll be your birthday. It shall be my birthday. It will be Faye's birthday yes. on the day that this comes out. So everybody sing like a little happy birthday in your head Yay. for Faye. <laughs> I'm another year older. Woohoo. Yeah. On the 4th of November, if you're listening to this on the 4th of November, it is my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Bye, me. Present. Yes. No. Please do. <laughs> no, don't really. But, but yeah, you don't. can if you want. We're, yeah, we're a bit ahead of ourselves because, like, we don't want to get massively overwhelmed with, like, I'm so used to working from home and, yeah, taking on real world, real, real job, real job work where I actually have to leave the house. And not hide in my little hermit corner where I do all my painting. Yeah, I I'm mean, really exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing when you're an adult and you both have jobs, you can't do podcasting as much as you'd like to. And no. you have to get ahead of yourself <laughs> so that you don't fall behind. And that's also why, if anyone was like, hey, why isn't this a weekly podcast? It's literally because we know that we won't keep up with weekly. Like, yeah. if we do it every other week, we stand a chance. Of not disappointing everybody very on a true. regular basis. <laughs> very, very true. But we actually saw quite a lot of each other last week. Although for you guys listening, it won't be last week. It That'll will be, be a couple of weeks ago. Weeks, yeah. <laughs> but we did. We went to John the Unicorn in Peckham to watch Drag Race UK. Yes. That was fun. It did good. It was fun. And then we met on Saturday. We met our friend Izzy. Hi, Izzy. Hi, Izzy. She said she was going to read the books and yeah. then start listening. So like, we're calling you out, Izzy. You better have done it. <laughs> but yeah, no, we've seen a lot of each other, but we've not, we've not like pre-discussed anything to do with this chapter Mm-mm. because I, I want to be fresh. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, this chapter actually, we were both just saying before we started recording, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's quite a short chapter in terms of length, but the amount of stuff in there is mammoth. Like yeah. I was reading it on Saturday and I was like, oh my God, like taking furious notes, like I've got through like five or six pages in my notebook. Just so that you guys know if you're actually not reading along and you've read the books a million times, this is what happened last chapter. So we met Lyra, Lord Asriel, the master and their demons for the first time. And Lyra saved Lord Asriel from getting poisoned and then hid in a wardrobe to listen in on what the scholars and Asriel were talking about. Uh, In this chapter... Lyra watches Lord Asriel's presentation and learns about dust with a capital D. Lord Asriel brings in an actual human head in the most extra move in human history. Asriel has potentially discovered a brand new world and asks the scholars to fund an expedition to the north so he can find out more. 
A mysterious object called the Alethiometer predicts that our girl Lyra is a part of a bigger plan which she has no idea about. Right, so this whole chapter is ridiculous. Yeah, it truly I'm honestly is. a little bit frazzled just thinking about how much stuff we're going to have to un- unpack. And like, we were talking about how the last chapter was really nice because they didn't do too much world building. Mm. There's so much world building in this, this chapter. <laughs> yeah, this reminded me of an episode of Veronica Mars. Because yes. it just let's have tries to pack in so much. And like, okay, like you're you're coming into a new book series, like that's gonna happen at some point, but they they went they went over on this. I was like, oh my god. I think that if I'd have read this as a child, I don't know if I like I think it would have just tipped me over the edge. I don't know if I would have carried on. Rereading this chapter, I'm like, I've read it a thousand times, but I swear I'm sitting there just going, I haven't actually like thought about this paragraph before like I've I've skimmed past it and been like political stuff obviously like as the books continue you kind of get more of an idea of how things work anyway so Mm -hmm. I think I hadn't just like properly sat down and unpicked a lot of the stuff yeah which is it's really weird kind of going back and like now unpicking it yeah Yeah. it's it's same for me because it's my second read through ever and when I read this for the first time I definitely skimmed over a lot of this chapter because I was just like oh god this is too much. Mm-hmm. But reading it again, it's fun. Like, I suppose once you, when you've read them before, like you'll have had this experience, but like they mention things that like come back again later on in, in the books and things that are like, I wouldn't have noticed on yeah, the first read through. there's totally a reference, which I may or may not point out where something gets mentioned. I'm like, oh my God, never picked up on that before. Maybe it's related to something that happens later. Yeah. And yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll get mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So... We, like, pick up right where we left off, really. So we're in the retiring room. Lyra is still in the wardrobe. And the master has come in and he's, like, welcoming Lord Asriel. Yeah, and Lyra's noticed that he's... That the master's kind of, like, clocked the lack of the decanter yeah. of Tukai. 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 It's never been Tukai. I just can't say it right. Yeah. I... So... As I was reading this, I was like furiously making notes and I'd like read a chapter, make notes, read another chapter. And I'd keep like finding myself making a note before like Philip actually just writes it down for me. Yeah. So there's this bit where Lord Azrael just comes in and he's like, Master, I came too late to disturb your dinner. I made myself at home in here. Hello, Sir Brechter. Glad to see you're looking so well. Excuse my rough appearance. I've only just landed. Yes, Master, the decay is gone. I think you're standing in it. The porter knocked it off the table, but it wasn't his. It was my fault. Hello, chaplain. I read your last paper with great interest. And I was like, oh my God, he is dominating the room. Yeah. And literally the next line is like, Lord Asriel was already dominating the room. I was like, did I I not say that he was a top and a dom? Because I feel like it's definitely... Also, he just comes off as like... It's just too much. Yeah. The thing is, <laughs> if I, ever it was going to look suspicious. Yeah, totally. It's probably, it. Like, it seemed to me like he's rambling. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to cover everything up that I did. It's fine. I'm just going to address every single person in the room to prove yeah. that I know who they yeah. are. <laughs> the thing that annoyed me about that is what he says that um, the porter knocked over the take, but it was his fault. But he properly showered at that porter in the last yeah. chapter. And I was like, oh, shut oh, the fuck admit up. that it was your fault now. Um, yeah, that really, really annoyed me. There's an interesting point next. Lyra, she looks at the master who is impassive, but his demon is restless. Yeah. So that kind of, I suppose like we're kind of learning that maybe demons show emotions that possibly the humans that they're with are trying to hide. Yeah. Or at least they're, 
yeah, can betray someone's emotions. Yeah. If they're, yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me think, like, and this, again, who knows if this is right or not, but it, it kind of makes me think of, like, when you're feeling something that you don't want to show outwardly, then maybe your demon would be more likely to show it for you by accident, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was quite interesting. And I also wrote, it's clear that Lord Asriel has the power of the room. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about, like, yeah, whilst Azrael was careful to be courteous of the master in his own territory, it was clear where the power lay. It was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Azrael, <laughs> dominate that room. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, there's a bunch of scholars that are, like, in the room now. Mm. Um, my note was, like, lots of, like, bureaucratic-sounding job titles. But, like, my thing was... I, hang on, let me just check my little sticky note. Is that Azrael just, like, calls them by... Not no, by their names. Yeah, none of them have actual names. Like, apparently. what the fuck are their names? It's like, like librarian. Like, Hello, subrector. <laughs> like, also, what's a subrector? I do not know. I googled it and it said something like, um, it just said the definition of sub and then it said rector. And I was like, that doesn't help me. I still don't know what a subrector is. So, I feel like. It's a bottom of a rector, I think. A rectory is sometimes what you would call like somewhere where a vicar or a priest hangs out. Um, I feel like it's a vaguely religious term right. and we're going to have a lot of that in this yeah, chapter yeah, yeah. is like kind of the mixing of like bureaucratic and political sounding terminology with Church of England and Catholic that kind of like terminology and yeah. like I think this yeah. is where I struggle a lot as well because I said like last episode that um, stuff about war kind of goes right over my head also stuff about religion does as well which is funny <laughs> because of the literal content of these books but it's it was interesting actually reading this and trying to not skim it and yeah. trying to like actually understand what they're saying and things like that so which I definitely didn't pick up the first time I read it so yeah. I, I feel like it's useful. as we get further into this podcast I'm already like bookmarking loads of these like um like papers that people who actually know what they're talking about have written. And I'm like, I need to read this. This is all about like religious terminology and like religious iconography within these books. And I'm like, this is great, I'll read this. But also, not yet. I'm we're only on chapter two. <laughs> I'm gonna get yet. into it and I am gonna be more knowledgeable, but not yet. Yeah. Like right now I'm quite happy just reading stuff and being like, This is what I think it is, but I do not know. But like if like I said like last time if I read a word and I don't know what it is, I just skip past mm. it and then just well, never find it. out this what it is. This is the read through where you can just be like, I actually maybe should Google what this is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's a really nice little um, passage after we've established that Azriel's dominated the room and the master feels nervous, where basically Lyra's kind of acknowledging that she knows all of the people in the room mm -hmm. and we kind of learn a bit about Lyra's relationship to all of the people in that room yeah and I kind of wrote it down because I thought it was really nice it's one of the first like insights we get into like Lyra's growing up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's that Lyra knew the scholars well the librarian the subrector, the inquirer and the rest they were men who had been around her all her life taught her chastised her chased her away from the fruit trees in the garden they were all she had for a family they might have felt like a family if she knew what a family was. Though if she did, she'd have been more likely to feel that about the servants. The scholars had more important things to do than attend to the affections of a half-wild, half-civilised girl left among them by chance. Yeah. I, She's like, hello, all of Lyra's basically backstory. Yeah, yeah. I love I, it. I made a note about that as well because it's actually really sad. Um, yeah. Like, felt like a family if she knew what a family was. And the fact that they had more important things to do than, like, notice her affections and feelings. Yeah. Um, it kind of, like, makes you realise that maybe Lyra hasn't had the best 
uh, our most attentive upbringing. Um, yeah, so I made a note on that and I said, uh, I put like little stickers in my book that Rach gave me. Thanks, Rach. And it <laughs> says, see sticker two for a sad quote. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I think it's a really lovely description of Lyra is just like half wild, half civilized in terms of like, she's clearly being brought up in part by these like stuffy old men that do not know what to do with her. So she's probably had like weird lessons in like physics and stuff that she is like probably goes way over her head. But then like they're not teaching her the really simple stuff or like the stuff that's actually like at her age level to learn. Yeah. Because they're all like university up like postdoctoral like they're the people who's like their career is like university kind of thing I don't know why it's even called like they probably got tenure if that's a thing in this universe <laughs> yeah if I knew exactly what that meant <laughs> but like that thing of like yeah half wild half civilized like she's kind of the servants of the people giving her actual like family things of making sure that she's like awake at the right times mm-hmm. in the morning and like feeding her and clothing her and all this kind of stuff yeah. that like your family provides and then the scholars are kind of providing this like half educational half like semi-affectionate upbringing that's, yeah yeah and do you think because it doesn't really say it, but do you think that the scholars are actually teaching her or do you think that she is just around it so much that she picks stuff up I think them. a bit of both. There's a comment later on in the chapter where the librarian whinges about her not being very good at learning stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Fair. I point out is real Fair. shady. <laughs> okay. So the next thing that happens is the master goes back to the poppies we were talking about in the last episode. And I finally did my research. So he heats up some butter and cuts poppy heads into this little thing called a chafing dish above, like, above a little lamp. And it sounds like, you know, when you get like essential oils and you pour them into like a little dish and you put a tea light under it. Yeah. But like the drug version of that. Do you know, it made me think, well, oh God, I'm probably going to put my phone in here. I've never done heroin before, but isn't there like a spoon and a lighter and like liquid involved in heroin? So, yeah, so kind of. It and made me think of that. I, in my research, found like um, a really lovely article that I'm sure we'll refer to later as well, written for The Guardian by mm-hmm. Philip Pullman about like his relationship to like going to Oxford uni and like living in Oxford and how he's like pulled stuff from reality into his world that he's created yeah. and one of them is that he um so he went to Exeter College uh, when he was at Oxford and he kind of he talks about like the master lighting the spirit lamp and cutting the poppy heads and his comment is heaven forfend that the rector of Exeter should feel obliged to serve opium after dinner but this is an alternative universe after all and I lifted that dainty little detail from the diary of an English lady living in India before the mutiny which I'd come across 10 years before while I was looking for something else entirely and I knew it would come in handy somewhere well there you go and it's like I love the idea of him just like with this little bank of like information (laughs) and what popped up for him in this moment of like a bunch of guys like after dinner hanging out and chatting he's like yes they're gonna do the opium butter thing that i read about in that english lady's diary 10 years ago <laughs> like yes yeah well done yeah that is great and now we know exactly what it is Whoop. yeah also yeah i just i enjoy that he's also imagining his own professors at uni doing that yeah like in his little universe i just i think it's great yeah it is it's really cool and i feel slightly better um informed yeah <laughs> and then yeah. yeah poor lyra gets like a bit sleepy and like fuzzy headed and is worried that she'll fall asleep and I'm like no wonder like the air is filled with essentially opium I think yeah and yeah she's bored of them talking about boring politics mm-hmm. that doesn't include anything about Tartars and we don't know what they are or who that is or what that is we've just yet. heard to them ref- 
They said refer to yeah, in the first yeah. chapter as yeah. like a people that apparently we are or the society that Lyra is a part of is opposed to in whatever war yeah. is happening right yeah. now. So she wants to hear about that, not the yeah. boring politics which they're talking about. Yeah. Um so the master welcomes Lord Azriel to the rest of the scholars. Um, and he's like really nice about him and I was like you two-faced little bitch <laughs> <laughs> it was like he like he goes off on how nice he is as well he's yeah. not he's not just like oh like welcome Lord Azriel he's gonna give us a presentation and show us some stuff he like goes way over what is needed he's like overcompensating for Massively. like being a dick about him before and uh, I like I'm sure Azriel. oh well obviously Azriel does know this because he tried to poison him but if I was Azriel, you'd just be like mm, yeah okay. also like I love that they've been chatting for so long that Lyra's sleeping and then the master's like well spit spot we better have this conversation because there's a fancy train waiting to take Asriel to Whitehall which is like I assume parliamental kind of thing because like Whitehall Road is a road in London that's like between Trafalgar Square and Parliament Square I assume it's somehow related to that yeah I um, I didn't yeah. know where that was I was just like it sounds, sounds like parliamentary sounds, yeah 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 cool. but like uh, yeah he's got his uh, he's got a train like a whole train just waiting for him to go yeah and they've just been sat there having a conversation for ages <laughs> like well yeah so I, it's kind of it's also it's like there's people of like the they're of like a bit of a higher status they probably yeah. just don't give a shit about like what their servants or whatever are doing for them which is another quite annoying thing about this um so he mentions in his intro that Azriel is not there a lot and that it's a time of high political tension so we are getting like a glimpse of, I suppose, the politics to come like throughout this chapter and yeah. throughout the books and stuff. And I <laughs> put, conveniently, the subrector is nearly blind. So he swaps seats with the master. So the master ends up right outside the wardrobe door where yeah, Lyra is. Just, ooh, how, how, I feel like he would have found an excuse no matter what to reshuffle the room. Yeah, I think it made yeah. me laugh from like, I, I don't know, I suppose like, um, Philip Pullman's point of view as a writer as well. It's like, how am I going to get that yeah. person in the right place? And it's like, I know the subrector will make him nearly blind, so he has to sit near the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what excuse can he use? Yeah. And then, so Lyra hears like the master and the librarian whispering about Azriel, mm. uh, about him knowing that they poisoned the wine. Um, and they say that he's going to ask for funds, but we don't know what for yet. No, and yeah, he might force some kind of a vote which i think is quite um obviously something they know he's going to ask for something and they're trying to work out in a way that's subtle how not to give it to him yeah which i think is is interesting yeah um and <laughs> i put lord asriel starts his powerpoint presentation and i said that's what i'm calling it <laughs> even though it's definitely not powerpoint it's probably going to be Lit by a lantern or something, like you said last time. Yeah, but it's some kind of... I feel like they talk about a naphtha lamp at some point. I don't know. It's a little PowerPoint presentation. A little PowerPoint, yeah. So cute. Yeah. Also, I just... From your thing last week, it was... Um, Azriel talks about how he set out for the North 12 months ago on a diplomatic mission to the King of Lapland, and I was like, a.k.a. Santa. Santa is definitely <laughs> the King of Lapland. How if there was going to be a King of Lapland, how, how could there not be, how could there be a King of Lapland and it not be Santa? Exactly. So, yeah, but that was a ruse, um, mm. so that he could go and find out what happened to this mysterious person. We're going to hear his name a lot, Grumman. Yeah. Um, or Stanislaw Grumman. Um, Good pronunciation. I assume that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> I'm just going to go. That's how it's... It can't can't be any other way, surely. If you think it's pronounced differently, you can tell us, but it probably won't help. <laughs> yeah. There's um, there's lots of names like that in this chapter. Mm. And um, 
I did Google a few of them, but they didn't help. So no, generally, <laughs> when I've tried to Google any pronunciations like associated with this book, it just comes up with like loads of Reddits of people debating it, and yeah. everyone's like, "Do whatever you want. You're the one reading it." That's <laughs> true. Like, I, I agree with that. It is true. Yeah. So we're kind of finding out about this mysterious character called Grumman, and mm-hmm. that's who Azriel is kind of following in the footsteps of. But this guy went missing, and then he as the chapter goes on and we'll unpick more about this guy but Azriel puts the first first slide of his powerpoint on yeah <laughs> um and it's a picture of two figures kind of silhouetted against a bunch of like techie equipment mm-hmm. um and the northern lights in the background mm-hmm. like in a hut in a snowfield basically like a hut in the background and then yeah there's this like aurora borealis northern lights is that in the first yeah. one or is that in the second Ooh, one? Oh, maybe not. Because I think in the first one, it's just the picture just the figures. of the figures. And then they he puts the next picture in and it's a different emulsion. And in I was my like, head when I'm picturing it, I'm like, there's all this stuff going on. But also just constantly there's the Northern Lights in the background. But like, just read. what does emulsion <laughs> yeah. mean? I think it's to do with whatever they're developing. Yeah, because I googled it as well and it was just told me about paint. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, don't know I mean, that. I think an emulsion can refer to anything that's been like, dipped or coated onto something yeah. else which yeah, is where it fair. comes from for okay. so yeah so the first one looks quite normal it's just a it looks like an adult man and a child or a smaller person yeah in front of like a hut with some like you said with some like techie equipment in the background mm. and then they take that he he actually takes it out and then puts the next one in but I'm just going to say he clicks next on his powerpoint slide yes and then it's um the same picture um, but different because you see the man he's got his hand in the hand in the air and it looks like there's like little particles coming off of it somehow yeah he's like essentially it looks like light he's like bathed in light yeah and then the figure next to him is not yeah and yeah and also because he says later on Azrael makes a comment about not putting the um not getting the pictures painted Mm. So, like, I think it's all just black and white. Yeah. Like, black and white photography, like, really old-fashioned. Yeah. So, the I suppose the particles coming off of the guy's hand, or or girl, we don't know, person. Yeah. I think um, he does say later on that it's a man. Okay. Yeah. So, he says that it's dust, and Lyra imagines it being with a capital D, because it's not ordinary dust. Yeah. The reaction of the room, kind of, she's like, she, she can tell. It's, it's important. D. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. So... That's interesting um, because that is the first that we've heard of it properly. And I don't think it's spoilery to say that it will play a big part in yeah. the series. Um, so it's interesting that that's our first like foray into, into dust. So I put that Lord Asriel says a bunch of stuff that I don't understand and I want to find it. So he says, it's dust. It registered as light on the plate because particles of dust affect this emulsion as photons affect silver nitrate emulsion. What the fuck does that mean? I'm just assuming it's all like old-timey photography processing. (laughs) Um, I do not know anything about photography aside from that sometimes if you're doing it old-fashionedly and not digitally, you've got like a dark room and you do dip the photos in stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the, like, when I was reading this, I was like, 
that would be if I was a kid reading it would be one of the like reasons why I'd be like oh god maybe I don't want to carry on with this chapter because of all Aww. these like, words that I don't <laughs> understand um uh, but as an adult I think you can kind of I think it's easier as an adult to pick up on things that are like important and things that aren't and obviously that although it's a bit of an explanation into what's happening with the two photos it's not massively important to the story yeah. it's just how it's happened really yeah he's just explaining he's done something different to one photo and it's showing up this stuff called dust and then we find that um, the stream of light or dust that can be, is visible in the photo is bathing the like taller figure in mm-hmm. light and not the shorter figure. And the scholars seem surprised because they basically they're like, oh, we thought the shorter figure was the man's demon. And Azrael's like, no, it's not a demon. His demon was a snake mm-hmm. around his neck, yeah. which I'm like, oh, is that going to be relevant for later? I don't know. But I only put <laughs> two and two together when I was reading at this time. And the, the smaller shape is actually a child. So... Whatever this dust with a capital D is, is streaming to, not away from, this adult, yeah. not doing anything to this child, which yeah. is interesting. And the scholars are all, like, shocked and stuff. And someone says something which I think sounds super-duper ominous, and they ask if it's a severed child. Mm-hmm. And don't know what it means yet, but it sounds ominous. And the room kind of, the guy knows that he shouldn't have said it, and the yeah. room kind of hush hushes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is like it's got to be something that's like real taboo yeah and i think as well like when you're first reading it and um you see that he says severed child and then asriel says no an entire child you're like what are they doing to these children like is there just children walking around with like severed things like what is going on yeah it's very especially for lyra like listening to this in the cupboard she's hearing so much terminology that she doesn't know i imagine and then like all like the thing that's going to stick out to her is that they talked about a child which she is yeah and then like she's heard this thing like a severed child an entire child like i can imagine she's like so curious but also a little bit like actually sounds kind of scary yeah totally yeah don't know what everyone in the room seems to think it's a bad thing and it's to do with children like yeah yeah you, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely would like pique her interest and maybe make her a little bit like scared yeah um so then Azriel shows him another picture um and this is the one that i think maybe you were thinking of yeah i was just in my brain i think i mushed the two photos yeah together. fair there's a lot to get through in this chapter so that's completely Stand fair together yeah. um this so this one's with the northern lights and i put in my notes oh it's the name of the book we got the name of the book oh, in, yeah. the, in, the, yeah. in the actual copy. Like which within two chapters, which is... Yeah. 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 He explains what the Northern Lights are, and I actually realised that I don't really know what the Northern Lights are. It is essentially kind of what he's talking about. Mm. It is to do with, like, particles in the air. Is I imagine it's similar to how a rainbow works. This is yeah. actually just me spouting off stuff. Probably very wrong, but I imagine it's very similar to how a rainbow works. It's like the light refracting through whatever particles are in the air at that time. Yeah. And, like, the very particular angle of where you are on the planet. Compared yeah. Because it only happens at certain times of year. And in certain places. Yeah, because Johnny was looking at booking a holiday to go... You can see him in, like... Somewhere where you can see him, but you can't see them until, like, after April. And we were looking at going in like April. So. Yeah, I'd love to see them. I think um, you can go to Norway or Iceland, I think, is one of the places where you can go to see yeah. him. Yeah. I think maybe we're looking into Iceland. Yeah. Can you see them in Canada? Reykjavik. That's Iceland, isn't it? Yeah. So I think we're thinking of going to Reykjavik, which is apparently super expensive, but flights are quite cheap. Mm. Yeah. I was wondering if you could, if there's any parts of like Canada or like that you can see them, because obviously you can see them. I think it's up, up in the north. So I would assume maybe. But if we have any Canadian listeners, let us know. I know Canada's massive, but like if you live there and you've ever seen them, 
tell us. So yeah, he like I said, he explains what Northern Lights are, and then he changes the slide again, or he presses next on his PowerPoint presentation yeah. to another picture, and um, it's using the same like dust detecting yeah. emulsion as the last po- photo. Yeah, and we basically can see a city in yeah. the sky, and from what the descriptions that they've used, it seems like a pretty like solid city. Mm. Um, not just like a reflection of something. Because have you seen that actually in real life that that can happen? Like I've seen like a video and it looks insane. I'll show you. It's a scientific thing and it's got a name and you can see cities in the sky. Oh. And it there was something in China that happened with it. And I don't know if it's like um a reflection of something or if it's just the way that the like clouds are formed. But it's absolutely like. It's amazing. I'll show it you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that reminded me of that. I was like, this has actually happened. But obviously in this book, it sounds like it's actually a real city, like different world type of city rather than just like a scientific thing that's happened. In between these two sides, the librarian and the master have like a little aside about Asriel then being able to like force a vote based on like a residency clause. So apparently he must, Asriel must be like a scholar at that university that happens to go off and do expeditions because they talk about how he hasn't actually lived in the college for 30 weeks out of the last 52. Yeah. Which shows how infrequently he visits. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting to find out that he's not just this random lord that's visiting. He is like technically like a scholar or a student at that college. Yeah. Um, but he's just always off adventuring. Yeah, that's fair. And the Pal, I want to say a Palmyrian professor. Yeah. Who is that? Is that the first time we've seen him? I think so. I think it's one of the first times he's mentioned. And he asks um, about the, um, I suppose, like city in the sky that we can see in the pictures. Asks if it's the Barnard Stokes business. Yeah. Um, and then he, and then that makes me think, what is that? And we do learn what it is, but just not yet. One thing I, I did note as well is that there are all these scholars in the room and these new people, and we don't actually learn what any of their demons are, and their demons aren't mentioned. No. And it made me think how difficult that must have been for Philip Pullman when he decided that humans, or the humans that we've met so far, are going to have demons, because that's super annoying for writing, because you've got to think about the human and the demon and yeah. what they're both doing. He probably knows as he's thinking about these characters and what they're like and who they are. He probably knows who everyone's demon is. Yeah. He probably knows what they are and probably what they're called. But he's like, I can't just write it down on every single page because it would just turn into like that one that comes before the Lord of the Rings books, the Cimmerillion, that's just like, it's all just like listing of family names, yeah. basically. And like, so-and-so begat by so-and-so who had so-and-so as a brother or sister. And nobody cares. Just yeah. learn the name, say what they have to say. <laughs> True, yeah. I definitely admire him for it, though, because like, it must have been... Like a bit of a feat for him to do yeah, that. Definitely. Like think about all that stuff when he's writing, and you've got to think about two things now rather than Doubling just a up one your character list. Yeah, and like what each thing can like say about someone. As like yeah, what they've got. Yeah, it's interesting, definitely. So then the chaplain asks if Grumman was investigating the same thing as well. So this kind of northern like city in the sky type thing. Yeah, and Asriel says uh, that. Hang on, let me look at my notes because I made myself laugh. Here. He says that yes, he was, but basically he's dead now. Yeah, he's he's real like extra about it as well. <laughs> he made me think of Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift song. I think it's like what he made me do, where it's like uh, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. <laughs> and he says it in the way it's like, but he won't be able to tell us what it is because he's dead. And it's like, all right, 
calm down, being yeah. a bit extra. But I think I feel like that's Asriel's theme for this chapter is very extra in it. Yeah. Um. So that made me chuckle. Um, and also, just he's this whole bit where he's um, they're like, I can't believe it. I can't believe he's dead. Everyone's like, no, uh, like no. And Asriel's like, I'm afraid so. And I have the proof here. And then like puts the box on the table, like really slowly yeah. starts to open it, <laughs> move, like takes the slide out of the lantern so it's illuminating the box. So extra, so theatrical. Yeah. Like, he's definitely loving, everyone's, like, riveted, and he's loving, like, he's just, like, lapping up all that attention. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen the film Seven? Yes. I literally have in capital letters, What's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> and then in brackets, the movie Seven. <laughs> yeah, I have a very Fortunately, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. Thank God. <laughs> it is Stannis Elgrimmon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor little Grumman, though. Right? Yeah, also, like, at this point... Somebody moves so that they're blocking the view of like what Asriel's pulling out of this box and Lyra can't see it and she is so mad. Yeah. I would have been so yeah. mad too. Right. Because like. there's literally nothing she can do. It's not like she can be like, excuse me, I want to see as well. She's just yeah. got to like sit there and wait. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I said that, yeah, the scholars are horror, like horrified. Um, and then my note was, and no wonder because it's a fucking human head. Yeah. Someone runs out of the room and pukes. Well done, that person. <laughs> Who brings the actual human head? Would a picture not have sufficed? I mean, he, we know he can take photos. Yeah. He's got his little PowerPoint. Like, he is, he is gone to the north and he has literally brought that back. That must have been a pain in the ass to bring back as well. Yeah. It's a block of ice, so it's going to melt at some point. In some kind of like, someone's like, oh, is that a vacuum chamber? He's got some kind of fancy thing for preserving it as well. Like, And like, heads are heavy. So like, think of all the other stuff that he must have had to like survive in the north all his equipment, all his clothes, and he thought, do you know what? I've not got enough to carry, so I'll bring back that fucking head that I found. Yeah, which, yeah, he talks about, like, Grumman's expedition vanished, like, 18 months ago, and he's, like, this whole time, like, undoing this box to get this head out. It's just, it is ridiculous. And then, yeah, he's just casually showing off this, this person's head. Like, he's clearly, um, we learn later that Grumman was somebody that went to this, like, a lot of the people in the room knew this guy. And Azrael just seems not bothered at all about, like, getting out this man's... Like, respect the bodies of dead Fucking people, hell. please. Can you imagine as well, like, being at work and then somebody's just like, oh, by the way, do you know our co-worker? They died and here's their fucking head. You'd be like, what the fuck? Not cool. Not cool. You oh. have to call HR. Everybody's, like, freaking out about it as well. People keep saying, like, oh, my God, it's hardly human. What's happened to it? Mm. So, we that, like, we know that it's, it looks like shit, basically. Something has happened to it yeah. where it doesn't look human basically, anymore. Basically, we learn that this poor man has been scalped. Yeah. And there is also a hole in his head. Also, can I just say, is this not supposed to be a children's book? Oh, my God. Yeah, also, as a kid, I was probably like, oh, gory. Yeah, I yeah. Love it. Yeah. Like, it's... I feel like he... Like, Philip Pullman is definitely... He's not pulling any punches, and he knows that like what's a parent might read this and be like oh no it's too much for my poor dear child like horrible histories it's popular for a reason kids yeah, yeah love true gore. like they love a <laughs> kids yeah. love a beheading no they're not like for realsies but like <laughs> in fiction yeah in fiction and like definitely in school like when i was that age when i was like my age learning about like just super casual like decapitations and stuff happening and like i just, think that was definitely the stuff that interested me well yeah and i think that it's interesting for most kids because when you're a kid you don't 
associate the necessary emotions with that so you don't think oh my god the people in the room knew this man and here's his head you think oh my god cool it's somebody's head head. yeah you're still a kid and you don't kind of put the like two and two together about it it's also um because at this point one of the professors they're all like shocked that he's been like grumman's head has been scalped he mentions as mentions that the body was found in the ice off of svalbard Mm -hmm. and that, yeah, he talks about this scalping pattern. And then it's just like, casually like, oh, you might be familiar with this subrector who is then like, oh, yeah, I've seen the Tartars do this. It's a, it's a technique you find among the aboriginals of Siberia and the Tung, Tungusk. And from there, of course, it's spread to the land of the Skraelings, uh, or Skraelings. Um, I thought it was banned in New Denmark. May I examine it more closely? Like, he's just like reeling off all this stuff about, I assume, the fact that this is been done kind of hints towards who's done it and then he talks yeah. about all these different people from this region it yeah could have happened to where it's it kind of yeah. makes it seem like um it's a lot it's a lot to take in but it kind of makes it seem like whatever the process is is kind of spread into different places rather because he's like oh i thought it was it was just these people that did this and now yeah. it's actually these people as well that are doing it and just also like just layering in this really thick history of this whole like world and society that he's built of like this guy's just like reeled off like three or four different people, some of which are like First Nations and Aboriginals and some of which are like new people that have clearly settled in the land and like mm-hmm. pe- referring to places like New Denmark and like, yeah, it's, there's just so many layers of history here. But all that we really learn is that it's weird that this has happened and it indicates a, like maybe like highlights a few different groups that may have been the culprits of like why this guy is there. yeah yeah definitely it gives us more like insight into how i suppose deep and big this world is and and its practices i suppose yeah um we learned that it's called oh god what is what is the word so this is separate from the scalping there's a hole in the top yes. of the skull and it's called trepanning trepanning that is oh, how i would say that's it. how i said it in my head okay so that makes me feel a bit better yeah but it's a weird word it is um, but it's also a thing that does exist in this world as well like is it a hole in the head thing yeah it's an actual thing like drilling a hole in the head and some of it is like cultural and surrounds like um people's like faith and beliefs and stuff in like some cultures it was a thing that was done and also you can have it done medically because it relieves pressure on the brain if you've got like fluid build up in your head they will trepan the skull to like relieve so does it go i assume it just goes through the skull and stops at the brain yeah yeah so it's basically just like having a little hole in your skull and i don't know if i assume like Obviously, it's incredibly dangerous, I imagine, because, like, an infection on the brain yeah. would be yeah, 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 But it. Um, it is also just, it is a thing that can be done medically and also has been done culturally as a thing in the belief that it, like, literally, like, opens your mind. Mm. Like That's so interesting. I'm sure there's so much more to unpack around that that yeah. I will not be eloquent enough to talk about. But the fact that it is, he's pulled something that has happened historically and culturally within our world and into this world. Yeah. It's something that says something. Yeah, that's interesting. so interesting. So then Lyra and Pan see it for the first time. Um, and Pan, he's a bit distressed. And I put, oh, classic Pan. Oh, Pan. <laughs> classic he's Pan so far. Yeah. This world. He really is. Bless his little heart. And then we said this earlier, but then we find out that Grumman was once a scholar of the of the college. Yeah. And so the another thing that said then is that the Tartars have penetrated further north than they originally thought. So does that mean that they're on the move? Does that mean that the college is in any danger? Or do you just think that it's oh that's interesting, they've moved a bit further north than we thought? It's probably one of those like 
probably just, oh, that's a thing that's happening. I think it's far enough away that it's not going to affect them. Yeah. If it's happening in, like, Iceland, basically, that kind of area, like, it's too, it's, t- it's kind of too far away from England for it to, like, matter. Um, they also, they talk about Svalbard, which I used to have my shower curtain, used to be a little world map, and, like, right at eye level was Svalbard, and every time I'd see it, I'd be like, oh, you talk about that in the... <laughs> in his materials. It is, it's a little tiny island. Aw. Yeah. I thought it was just made up. Right, right up in the cold bit. I am... Um, terrible at geography me too so i have a world map as my shower curtain i could not tell you where half the countries are well i didn't know that svalbard was real i thought it was fake and it was for this book apologies if you're from there <laughs> i think it's it is i think it is quite remote and um they refer to something which is in like nice um italics in the book the passen passenborn or passenbjörner because i think i'm glad you o said it with a little line through it which means you say it differently yeah i think that's how you'd say it i'm glad you said and also it. from listening to the audiobooks that definitely helps oh yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think that's how i remember it yeah so basically they put it in italics because lyra doesn't understand what it means um yeah. so it's a word that panzerbühne i've just realized that the whole time i've been reading it i've been swapping the n in there around <gasps> there you happens. go <laughs> it happens yeah um so yeah lyra doesn't know what that is um and it, it seems to be like maybe some sort of race mm-hmm. um, led by somebody called. Okay. How do I pronounce this? Eofa uh, Ratlison? I, I would say, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, that Iofa was the. Or Eofa. Yeah. That was Ratlison. what I Googled. Yeah. Uh, how to pronounce it. And there was just nothing. It yeah. may as well have been like fucking tumbleweed. I was yeah. like, okay. I watched like the first couple of seasons of the TV show Vikings. And like, that's the only reason I feel like I can kind of say Ratlison. Okay. In terms of like, they have a lot of names that sound similar to that, and you go, okay, it must be a similar pronunciation yeah. to that. If it's like that kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Vibe. Um, we do find out someone mentions later on the fact that it's very odd. This Eofa Ragnarsson is the king of Svalbard, but um, and he is one of the Panserbjörner. <laughs> He's a usurper that tricked his way onto the throne, but a powerful figure and by no means a fool. And then they refer to him having ludicrous affections and having this palette, palace built from imported marble and a university built. And someone's like, a university? For who? For the bears? And everyone laughs. And like, obviously, we don't know what he's talking yeah. about. Why Lyra he, doesn't know what he's yeah. talking about. Why is he mentioning bears? Why is he talking about bears? Why, what the fuck have bears got to do with anything? Exactly. But yeah, it kind of like, although, like you just said, they say that it is not to be like scorned at, but they are kind of laughing at him and laughing yeah. at like they think that it's funny and they think that it's a bit of a joke so they're definitely not taking him seriously yeah um, they mention that he what 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 this mysterious king from this faraway place wants more than anything else is a demon and the scholars laugh at him again for that mm-hmm. um which at this point, again, that like raises more kind of flags and questions for us because yeah. so far everyone we've met already has a demon yeah so does this mean that He's not human. Yeah. Or does it mean that he is a human without a demon? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, there's bears, there's things without demons, like, there's all these words flying around that Lyra and us, essentially, at this point, are a bit like, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then, so Lyra, she wants to hear more about scalping and dust, which I'm like, yes, don't we all? Um, And she's getting a bit bored in the wardrobe. Um... Because they've started talking about whether to give Asriel the funds that we yeah, were talking this about earlier. Like bureaucratic financial conversations, yeah. which 
so ball she, over and yeah, would me too. She falls asleep. <laughs> but the fact that she falls asleep is kind of like badass in itself because if I, like we spoke about last week, if I'm hiding somewhere, I immediately need to pee or do a nervous poo. And I don't think that I would be able to fall asleep in a wardrobe yeah. knowing that I shouldn't be there and that I'm essentially spying on people. And she's just like, yeah, cool, just have a little nap. Mm. Also, she falls asleep with Pan curled around her neck in his favourite sleeping form as an ermine. Mm. Or ermine? Ermine. What is an ermine? Is it like a little ferret thing? I think it's quite ferrety. It's like, yeah, long. And I think they're usually white. Mm, Okay. Um, I know, sadly, that they are, um, it was like quite a common thing in the fur trade because they're like very soft and very white, which is, don't... Don't use them for their fur. Don't I wear mean, fur. If you had one as like a little friend, yeah, let him be around your neck as a scarf as a friend. Yeah, but yeah. like don't kill him. Yeah. As an alive friend, he'll keep you warm. You don't have to kill it. <laughs> Just get a pet one. I don't know if that's a thing. Like, yeah. Maybe it's cool to get her pet ermine um, as well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't um, know but yeah, so he was a moth and now he's this like cute ferrety thing. Yeah. What's what's going on? So yeah, that's interesting actually, because I didn't make any notes about that because I think I was it just went over my head a bit yeah but it's interesting because it's the her demon has changed we haven't seen any any of the other demons change no and also it's very casually skimmed past yeah it's not like oh my god now it's now pans everybody look he's in a different shape yeah it's i just made a note my note is literally just my little sticky note just says pan pan Pan, you changed (laughs) so it kind of it i suppose because like you said it like skims over a bit it just makes you think okay there's something about this that is normal for this character to do that. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it's one of those things as well. Because we still don't know that much about demons at all. So I think next couple of chapters, we've got to find out more about that. Because it's, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those classic things where it like kind of keeps you in suspense about actually what these things are. But we'll need it explained at some point soon. Um, so I think maybe it's good old Phil is like peppering little bits in for us to be like, oh, okay, something's yeah. going on here. He's not assuming we're stupid and like spelling stuff out for yeah. us, which I like. Yeah. Um, but also like, yeah, when you're reading through like this and I'm picking it, you're like, oh, that's the first time that gets mentioned. Yeah. That's yeah. So, <laughs> so cute as well. Yeah. Um, so then Asriel shakes her awake and tells her to go to bed. We don't know how long she's been asleep, uh, but obviously they're the only two people in the room now. Yeah. So he he's waited for all the everyone else to go to bed I guess and he's yeah. hanging around so the um, first I appreciate that the first thing that she asks is whether he got the money which he did and what dust is like she's straight yeah. on it she's not like like beating her on the bush she's straight on that she wants to know the details yeah. he's just like nothing to do with you she's like it is to do with me if you wanted me to be a spy you should have told me what I'm spying about which, which is, is like yeah, so it, relevant and yes, it's really whatever. clever as yeah. well like I think she um, can hold her own she can, and like when you're a kid and stuff, you don't really think about that. You kind of think like if an adult has asked you to do something, you're most likely going to do it and not really ask questions. And she's questioning it and saying, "Well, actually, she's kind of like picking out flaws yeah. in his logic and she's also too." Like, kind of get a closer look at that head. Yeah, I want to look yes, at that head. <laughs> she's a girl after my own heart. Like just obsessed with like gory, gross stuff. Yeah, Great. totally. Well done, Lyra. <laughs> yeah, my note says. She has to see the head. Exactly what I would have done. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Is it gross? Can I look at it? He oh tells right. <laughs> he tells her not to be disgusting when she has to look at the head. He's the one that fucking brought it back. <laughs> yeah, in a box. Like, and then was really like extra about getting it out and showing it to people. Yeah. Uh, Mate. <laughs> 
I, I, like, I feel like he just wants to undermine her all the time. Yeah. Like, and it's really petty because he's a grown ass man and she is a child. And I feel like he actually makes an effort to like undermine her, and and I think that's really shitty. Yeah, as a as an adult. Yeah, like, it's really fucking think, petty. Yeah, it's just like grow up, that's real. Um. Yeah, he, she says that she watched the master and that he looked for the wine before he did anything else. And then he doesn't ask her anything else about the master. Like, yeah. did you hear anything they were talking about? No, like, literally nothing. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, he looked at the wine. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. Uh, Lyra asks if she can go north with him. He says no, but he yeah. sounds like he's considering it. Because it takes me a while to answer when it, she asks. Yeah, so I kind of made a point of, like, writing down this little quote because... Um, he stopped what he was doing and looked at her as if for the first time his demon turned her great green leopard eyes on her too. And under the concentrated gaze of both of them, Lyra blushed. But she gazed back fiercely. So he's like having a little thought process. Yeah. And his demon is staring at like, I'd have been quaking if like a snow yeah. leopard was just like having a staring contest with me. But also like, what's he, what is he thinking? Like, what's he realised? Why is he just having a second, like... Yeah, second thought, second glance about this whole like. Yeah, what he's he thinking. He's obviously like, obviously we don't we don't know exactly what he's thinking, but he's clearly not thinking that her question's absurd. Otherwise, he would have just said straight away, no. Yeah. But he's he doesn't. He considering about it, it, but then is like, no, mm. your place is here. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and she's upset, obviously, that she can't go. Yeah. Um, she and wants- then he's like, oh, if you if you're well behaved, I'll bring you a walrus tusk. I'll I'll bring you a pretty shiny thing if you're well behaved. So patronising. Yeah, it really is. How about another human head? I think she'd probably like that. Yeah. If you're well behaved, I'll give you this head in the box <laughs> that I brought. She's like, okay. Um, and then she goes off to bed. Um, and we kind of change tack with this chapter a little bit. So we go into... Yeah. Oh, I just want to one no, more little it. quote. Because he's like, don't argue anymore or I shall be angry. And then his demon growls with a savage rumble that made Lyra suddenly aware of what would it would be like to have like large teeth meeting in her throat. So she's like, what would it be like to have my throat ripped out by a snow leopard while this snow leopard is growling at her? Yeah. Because he's like, no more of this silliness. Yeah. That is scary. It is scary. Totally. Super scary. And for, again, for a child to have to think about that yeah. as well is really scary. Like, she's it just a little baby. keeps reinforcing him as like, yeah, she's still totally like stubborn about it as well. She's like, grumble, grumble, like narrowing her eyes, like stomping off, like, can't believe I can't go. But also like, he threatened you with a snow leopard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's not good at all, especially for a child to have to think about that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So then we go into the second setting, and it's the master's lodging, and this is interesting because it's although we've obviously only done one and a half chapters, it's the first time that we're getting somebody else's viewpoint apart from Lyra's. Yeah. So she's not there, and she can't hear what they're talking about. So we're kind of switching tact with the narrators. Um, and it, it feels like the narrator is just, uh, I suppose, a presence and it's not either of the characters. Yeah, it's just like the, an omniscient. Yeah. Just you being able to, like, as the yeah. reader, being able to hear this conversation. Yeah. Which is about to get real, like, there's going to be a lot to unpick here. This is I, a, I like, had to, like, spend a long time rereading some of these paragraphs to get my head around what's going on politically because reading it previously I would have skimmed it yeah I had to like pop it into it I think I I understand how it works well good because I I also read it a couple of times and I was just like okay I think there's some bits that I get and some bits that I don't Mm. um but yeah it's quite a difficult one to get through um so we learned that the master and the librarian are old pals um and they always have a glass of no idea what that word is 
Some kind of alcoholic beverage, I would imagine. Oh, where is it's it? It's oh, Brandt. Brandtwein. Brandtwein? I'm going to say Brandtwein. It sounds Germanic, like language with roots in like Dutch and German kind of thing. Um, seems to keep popping up in things that they have. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm assuming that it's going to be like some kind of fancy, nice German mulled wine kind yeah. of vibe. Something nice. Like, like Glühwein. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they do that after... Every time something difficult happens, which is a nice little tradition for yeah, them. We should start doing that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> oh my god. So they're talking about how Azriel knew about the wine and it being poisoned. Mm. And that they, you know, the librarian wasn't too pleased about trying to murder someone. Yeah. You know. So he's relieved because yeah. he's like, oh good, well I'm glad it didn't happen because I didn't want to do it anyway. Yeah. And then it seems like from what the master says next, because he says that killing him would um, be uh, better than the consequences of not doing it. So that kind of makes it seem like there's some kind of like higher purpose here. Yeah. And like maybe that the master... Because so far what we know about the master, we kind of just think that he's like maybe just a straightforward like villain character because he's tried to kill someone in the first chapter. But now it's like, oh, maybe there's a higher purpose here and maybe actually what the master is doing is is better and not yeah. like not just one line evil there's things going on here he refers to um what they're doing and why they're trying to stop Asriel being that something that Asriel is going is doing will affect the child or mm-hmm. the child will be drawn into what Asriel is doing yeah. which we can only assume refers to Lyra um and then there is a a word that we haven't heard before elithiometer yes is that the pronunciation that's how i have Always tried to pronounce it. So, actually, that reminds me. And no spoilers, because I know you haven't read it yet. I'm reading it at the minute, the yeah. first book of Dust, La Belle Sauvage. And in one of the like first-ish chapters, it, he, I feel like Philip Pullman really cleverly tells you how to say it, because somebody says it and they say it wrong, and somebody cor- corrects them. And he does, Yay. like, L-E-C-ometer. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah. And I, I said to myself, I was like, I'm definitely going to remember how to pronounce it now. And then as soon as I saw it there, I was like... Uh, is that how you pronounce it? It reminds me, and here I go talking about Harry Potter again, but I, it's in a Goblet of Fire when Hermione meets Crumb and she teaches him how to say Hermione. Hermione. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I remember J.K. Rowling say, um, saying that there were so many people pronouncing Hermione wrong like, that she Hermione. put it. Yeah, I Hermione. used to say that, um, yeah. but that she put it into the books so that you could not have like any... Um, doubt over how it's pronounced yeah so maybe that's why phil did it too maybe it was like i'm sick of people pronouncing this wrong so yeah. i'm just gonna put it in just um, every single chapter have somebody like expositionally there to be dumb and not know how to pronounce yeah. thing in, in like a moment <laughs> so another character can turn around and be like it's this yeah exactly <laughs> um so it's not leviosa it's leviosa <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh, yeah we uh we they mentioned elisiometer and we don't know what it is um and it gives a warning i think um yeah of appalling consequences yeah if lord asriel pursues this research yeah so we don't know what this is is it an object is it a person a person um yeah we have no idea but apparently it can give warnings mm. and we don't know how accurate these warnings are or will be but it can do it apparently yeah. whatever it is and this is where we get into some like bureaucratically governmentally confusing stuff where he asks about the consistorial court of discipline and the ablation board yeah 
he asks if the what Azriel is doing is to do with this. And um the master is like, no, no, quite the opposite. I just generally like this whole we're gonna have to spend a bit of time unpicking what is going on here. Because like we learn a little bit about how this governmental side of like the society that exists here is structured. Mm-hmm. And so, then also have to take that back to how that applies to what's going on with Azriel and what we know about that and Lyra. So yeah, there's a lot of exposition here. Um, and the first bit, it says, ever since Pope John Calvin had moved the seat of papacy, I don't even know what that is, to Geneva and set up the consistorial court of discipline, the church's power over every aspect of life has been absolute. So first, what is papacy? The, like, the Pope, basically. Okay, cool. um, so, like, currently the seat of seat of papacy would be in Rome it would be the Vatican oh uh, okay oh okay cool. uh, like Vatican City so that's like oh, the seat of where right. yeah so they moved they moved where the Pope is basically, basically. Yeah, yeah so yeah. like um, and that the Pope being the like major figure of um, political power within that because like until we had like, essentially like a separation between church and state mm-hmm. like church was very very powerful yeah in like I think that's essentially what we're getting into here is like um, my picture of this is if at some point, government hadn't been like, we need to be secular. Mm-hmm. Essentially, was that Cromwell with the first stuff? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. History and geography, I'm terrible at. Uh, I'm going to have to do some research. Um, but yeah, like, so it's essentially getting, if, if um, governmental policies and like bureaucracy, that kind of thing had never separated from the church, perhaps this is what it could look like. Okay. And so it's like, the mm-hmm. seat of power is the Pope, but yeah. this Pope, John Calvin, which I feel like it's, Maybe Calvin's the surname, but like Calvin just feels like such a modern name to me. Like <laughs> I feel like <laughs> it just doesn't sound popey enough for yeah. me. Yeah. So the papacy or pope popedom um, was abolished after Calvin's death, leaving behind a tangle of courts and councils collectively known as the magisterium. So basically, just to sum up that little bit, we know that the church is completely powerful over everything and they are like the highest power in this yeah place so yeah this was a bit that confused me really so the magisterium so had grown up in its place these agencies were not always united sometimes a bit a bitter rivalry group between them for the large part of the previous century the most powerful had been the college of bishops but in recent years, the consistorial court discipline had taken its place as the most active and the most feared of all the church's bodies. Yeah. So, tangle of courts, colleges and councils collectively known as the magisterium. It's kind of... I don't know what to think about that. I don't really know like what, what it is, really. So, I'm picturing um, this person that's in seat of power. They're like the king, the president... You know, he's the Pope. This is kind of the role is he's the most powerful. He's died and there is no, like, his role has now disappeared. So mm-hmm. instead of having an heir to the throne or the next Pope getting declared, all this kind of stuff, there's just all these people that used to be following his instructions and all his little, like, cabinets. I imagine the way that like, our government structured is, like, you've got, ca- like, the Home Secretary and that kind of cabinet mm-hmm. and, like, the Educational Department and the Health Cabinet and all this kind of stuff. And I imagine it's all those different cabinets however they fit into the religious structure that was under the Pope, are now vying for power. Okay, yeah. So it's just a, basically a bunch of different little bureaucratic organisations that were previously working yeah. under and for the Pope and are like, 
there's no pope. So then who's in charge? Yeah. So Maybe then we the, can be in charge. Yeah, yeah, the consistorial court discipline. So that's the one that's kind of, I suppose, taken place of that and is the like, I suppose well it says the most active and most feared of yeah, all the church bodies. It's interesting. It puts like a an interesting thing of like the politically powerful party or whatever they are being the most feared. Yeah. Kind of um kind of gives you a bit of insight into like how the public, the general society is impacted by its rulers or yeah, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um and then it says that there's it's always possible for independent agencies to grow up under the protection of another part of the magisterium. And one of them is the ablation board. Yeah. They don't know much about it. Um, but again, they what they've heard about it, they don't like and it scares them and makes them anxious. But we don't really find out really anything about what this ablation board actually is or what it does here. We just find out that it's scary. Yeah, it scares them. It's, yeah, like, politically powerful, like, government agency kind of thing. As, like, just just little college professors and a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it is um, it's interesting that they're scared of him, but that they are obviously, that they're scared of whatever these organisations are, what yeah. the seat of power is. Yeah. So then we, like, move on a little bit, um, <clears throat> and they kind of explain the Barnard Stokes thing that yes. we heard about earlier. And we learned that it's basically... He um, conveniently asked, what is the Barnard yeah. Stokes business? Which is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah, tell us more. Um, yeah. So we kind of learned that it's basically what Asriel was talking about. The They've looked into it and they think, the Barnard and Stokes think, and have basically proved that there's more than one world within the world that we're in. Yeah, so. which goes against the religious basis yeah. of like the society as it stands at the moment, which yeah. is like... Here, heaven and hell. Yes, yeah. and that's yeah. why they they've basically been silenced. Yeah. Um, so from that, we can gather that um, the the church would not be happy about Azrael's research, um, and that's why the well, I think we get into it in a minute. But the librarian and the master are like, oh, we've just given him loads of money to go and do this yeah. thing which Research actually a thing that pisses off yeah that could get us powerful people yeah, in the country could get us into a lot yeah. of shit basically yeah. um so they're kind of like talking that through um and i think that's like i think that's really interesting because they knew that before it's not like they're just realizing it now when they're talking about it they knew that what he was doing wouldn't be looked i suppose kindly upon by yeah which is partly why they've you know, trying to do the poisoning. Yeah, I guess. yeah, and trying to save the college. But it's interesting that the other. So obviously, it went to a vote, and we can gather because Lyra was asleep. But we can gather that most of the scholars actually voted for him yeah. to get the funding, which makes me think. But they must know that the church would not be happy about it. So I wonder what their position is. So, I wonder how many of them are actually that knowledgeable on what yeah. they're voting on. Yeah, kind of thing, like. An uninformed voter is probably Lord Asriel's, like, ideal voter. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so political. <laughs> Let's talk about uninformed Brexit. voting. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if the librarian doesn't know what the Barnard Stokes theory is, like, scientists slash theo- theologians, theologians that have been, like, silenced by the government, like, mm-hmm. I don't know why any of the other professors would necessarily know, and they're just going... Asriel's got these cool pictures and he says he's going to travel to another world. Like, Yeah, that's true. Or yeah. he, he says he's going to go and research this city in the sky that he's seen. 
we're all just curious people that are like intellectuals and like educational types. Of course, we're gonna want to know what that's about, and yeah. they might not realise that like if they thought harder about it, they might be like, oh wait, our government hates that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, I suppose yeah. I was giving them a bit too much credit. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're probably not not all. Also, like one of them's, you know, they're probably all their areas of speciality are probably really different. Like some of yeah. them might be like physicists and some of them might just be like more about literature who knows they might not they might not care it's true (laughs) might be art history majors (laughs) um so then we learned that actually um the barnard and stokes theory is is quite sound and they've had like like other people have researched it as well and and it's like mathematically it stands up which um i suppose kind of uh, i suppose like means that asriel is as basically proved it with that picture that he took yeah and like it means whatever he's doing he stands a chance of succeeding he's not just going off to piss off the government in vain potentially yeah yeah there is a chance that whatever he's doing he'll succeed yeah and then the master says that the ablation board won't have forgotten about lyra um and that she'll have to become involved at some point and yeah what what does that mean he's trying to spare her a trip north yeah all this kind of stuff so I suppose that's the first kind of real substance that we've had that points that Lyra is part of a bigger plan that she doesn't know about. Yeah. And that she's going to have to do something at some point. Um, but she, at the minute, she's just living her life as a kid, not yeah. knowing any of this, not knowing that like there's like people that are high up in the college like talking about her in this sense she's just in bed yeah and she's she thought she was just doing a cool job spying for her uncle and actually this is who'd have thought that the beginning of her exciting journey would start at the beginning of this book (laughs) who knew what a coincidence (laughs) but yeah the master talks about how he wishes he was able to explain it all to lyra and the librarian's just like nah she wouldn't listen (laughs) i know her too well she never listens Rude. Like, just super, like, glazes over her. Like, poor Lyra. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'd try. Um, yeah, and we learn that um, she will be part of a big betrayal. Mm. But that she is the one that's going to betray someone, but she absolutely can't find out that that's the case. So yeah. there's. it sounds like there's going to be a fair amount of, like, struggle and maybe some heartbreak for Lyra in the future. And they can't warn her about it. Yeah, and the whole way through this book, we're going to be like, who's she going to betray? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's she going to do that's a betrayal? Because I'm going to imagine she's going to meet so many people that she could betray. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, But it's interesting, though. I would think, I know, obviously, it's part of how the book's written, because they don't want us to know this yet. But if you're in that room and the master was like, oh, she's going to be part of a big betrayal, and then as a librarian, wouldn't you be like, what? Who's she going to betray? What's the what's the betrayal? Yeah, I mean, he does say he says who's going to betray her, and the master's like, no, no, she's going to betray, and he doesn't ask anything after that. Yeah, he just like <laughs> lets it drop, and um, obviously because it's a plot point yeah. for us to learn more about. But I was like, if I was in that room, I'd be like, tell me more about this big betrayal. Maybe he doesn't know more. Maybe he just knows that she'll betray someone. Yeah, and that it'll impact something. Um, but yeah, just kind of ex- trying to say that he just really wishes he could explain stuff to her, um, and that explaining stuff to her would make him feel less anxious but the librarian says a really nice quote i really uh, love this. i love this quote it's as well the, it's the duty of the old to be anxious on behalf of the young and the duty of the young is to scorn the anxiety of the old yeah i really like that quote it's nice yeah 
Um, it's cute, actually. It's yeah. very cute. Part. And then it just finishes with like, they sat a while longer and then parted for it was late and they were old and anxious. Old and anxious. It means. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I feel like every day that goes on, I become more and more that person that could be described as old and anxious. <laughs> yeah, same, same. I feel like that is just li- that is a consequence of living in 2019, though. Yeah. Regardless of how old you are, like just I just be, think being old and anxious, just uh, staring feeling, at young people and be like, "Why you scored me?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel it, feeling old and anxious constantly. It's my life. Yeah, it's that time. <laughs> as okay, let's unpack that whole let's decompress yes like the head in the box um (laughs) god but yeah that chapter so much to unpick so much to unpack i found it it wasn't like my fave i don't think like throughout the books in fairness like but you're always going to have chapters where there's lots of exposition but it's confusing and like i said earlier if i was reading as a kid i was just gonna be like what the fuck yeah i think maybe that's why there's the severed head in the box though is to keep your interest (laughs) yeah yeah. because if it was just photographs and bureaucracy you probably wouldn't want to keep reading yeah. but then someone pulls a head out of a box and you're like oh <laughs> this is more interesting now yeah I th- yeah definitely yeah. i think like it's not ne- obviously the chapter's necessary it's necessary for like the themes they introduce like we're sowing the seeds of so much stuff yeah. that it wouldn't be in that chapter if it wasn't going to come up later yeah and it's like it's yeah it's a slog and um, with like little payoff because we don't really actually find out anything All that's solid. happened is that Lyra's gone from being in a wardrobe to going to bed. Yeah. And, like, some stuff's happened in between. Yeah. So, actually, yeah. that's interesting, because, like, the first two chapters are very close together in time. Yeah. Like, we start, like you said, we start with Lyra being in, um, finding the retiring room, and then she goes to bed. And what time has passed? Like, maybe, like five six hours because she i know that she was like prepared to be in there for four hours so we're assuming that they talked for a long time yeah but it's still quite a little period of time to cover for i imagine it's at least like one in the morning by the time everyone's had their chats had their drinks had their opium and like potted off to bed it's like it must be like half 12 1 a.m yeah yeah i don't know maybe it's maybe it's a school night maybe everyone went to bed early i don't know yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah it's um not a lot of time has elapsed in that two chapters, but we've had so much information thrown at us and it's quite a lot to absorb. Mm-hmm. But like, again, I think Philip Pullman's not assuming that we're stupid. He's not assuming that his reader is unintelligent. He's giving you loads of information. Yeah. He's throwing a lot of stuff at you. And he's like, if you want, you can read this really thoroughly and unpick it all. But if you were like 14 or something like me when you were first reading and you probably skipped over it all, you were like, something about bears, seven head in a jar, yeah, someone got scalped. Something about Someone church. got lost. Yeah. There's like a city in the sky. It looks cool. Dust. Done. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you, if you just, if you're just skimming it and picking up the basics, you do still get a really clear idea of kind of what's happening if you don't want to go into like the history of how this government was created. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as a second chapter, so much to unpick. But yeah, laying the foundation for some interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of each episode, we're going to pick a moment, a person, a character that's like come through for us in a in this chapter and kind of give them a little moment, a little award, give them a little trophy, a little medal. Yeah. So I, so I'm going to jump in and go first. Yes, please do. <laughs> so I don't think cuz I still I'm, I don't particularly like this character at the minute so it's not that they've like come through for me or that I enjoy them particularly but 
I am going to give my... Oh, you can give a shady award. Yeah. You can, you can give an award that is just throwing shade at a character. I'm going to throw <laughs> some fucking shade. Spill the tea. Asriel, mm-hmm. I'm going to give him the most extra award just for being so fucking extra oh, in this so chapter. Extra. Such a drama queen. Bringing in a human head, fucking rambling on at the beginning. it in the most theatrical way. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, and... Yeah, even at the end with like with Star Maria, like and Lyra and her like fucking growling her and shit. I'd like both of them maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it I feel like if you're giving a human award, the demon gets like a little extra award that's just like a little bit smaller for them. Yeah. Yeah. So they can get they can get the most extra award. Or like award. sized to fit whatever the demon is. Like if it's a medal, it's like especially like on like a little cat collar for Star yeah. Maria. Like a giant cat <laughs> collar. That would be really cute. Yeah. Yes. So that is that is my award. I'm sure they would gratefully receive that award and give a massive speech. I think they probably would as well. Dominate a room. Yeah. Maybe bring out <laughs> another body part to show. Yeah. I'm going to give the little little elderly, partially blind subrector the Aww. award for the week for being an excellent plot device mm-hmm. um, and for just, you know, having a bit of knowledge when it was when he was called upon. Um, but yeah, just for, for being incredibly convenient for like room rearranging. Well done, Subractor. Yeah. Your poor eyesight has come in handy for us. Yeah, truly. Yeah, well done. We like you. Poor little guy. No. Yeah, so the next chapter that we're coming to, chapter three, Lyra's Jordan. I feel like we're going to learn a lot about where Lyra's grown up. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be good, I think. Hopefully we'll learn more about her and demons and stuff. So that's all for this chapter. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fayley, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at fay.ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about Lyra and Pan, and why Lord Azrael is being such a dick right now, <laughs> um, I am making arty things. I make designer toys and illustrations, and you can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, and on Twitter at rach underscore makes, and you can also buy some stuff from me in my online shop at rachmakes.co.uk a huge huge thank you to johnny knott for his musical stylings and for help with navigating a lot of the scary tech stuff yeah and i'm gonna throw in a thank you to liam ruane for helping us edit some little videos together we love you both so thanks for helping us and we'll see you all in two weeks time and don't forget keep telling stories and all will be well Yay! <laughs> ah, Finito! Bye! Well, Thanks, bye! <laughs>